Another Way to Play, episode 60. Well, this is Dr. David and Dana Hagstrom, co-founders of davidanddana.com. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Dr. David and Dana Hagstrom. They are online marketing coaches who definitely did not start that way. They were in the ministry for a really long time, and when they ended up getting together, found themselves on a very interesting journey that took them kind of all over the place, big churches, small churches, and then ultimately out of the church and to Mexico. So believe it or not, they retired from the ministry, decided to move to Mexico, and then ultimately started some blogs that led them to uh, some online business world and coaches, and then ultimately to coaching other people to run online businesses themselves. They have some really great advice, uh, specifically around transitions into and out of certain careers, and some really great perspective about not just being uh, sort of out to pasture, but having uh, playing a role in uh, a chapter of your life that then ultimately leads you somewhere else, as well as some really practical advice if you are considering hiring a coach. Um, so a lot of really great and practical stuff in this one that you're going to want to listen up for. And guys, before we get into it, if you're getting value out of this or any of the other shows, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. It really helps me grow and gain critical feedback so I know how to continue to make this show even better. And if you want to connect with me personally, I have my Calendly link down in the show notes, and I'm happy to connect, hop on a one-on-one call, and just get to know you personally and see how we can make this show even better. So without any further ado, let's get into it with Dr. David and Dana Hagstrom. David and Dana, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you on. And uh, this is a real treat because I get a two for one special today. And so does the audience. This is our first uh, two person interview. Um, so again, thanks for being, uh, being our guinea pigs and being part of this. Well, we are so delighted to be here, Hans. Thank you for inviting us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, uh, we've gotten into a little bit of your background and what you're doing now. Um, but before we talk about that in depth, let's let's go back and let's let's build a little bit of context for everybody. Let's let's talk about where this whole journey actually began. I think back to when I was in high school and had a very clear picture of where my life was going and headed to college and double majored in mathematics and chemistry. But during that time, had this inkling that that's not where my life was supposed to go. And over my, uh, the first year or so in, in, in college, came to a place of feeling that I was called to serve as a uh, a pastor in ministry. And by the end of my time in college, I, I finished 
those two majors, but well, and I had intended to be to do a PhD and become a research chemist. And when I finished, I, I thought, you know, I could do that. I have this, the skills to do that. I, I'm not intimidated by taking that, that course. I'm excited about changing directions. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the first time I made a major change in directions was then to go on to seminary and, well, a 34-year career as, as a pastor. That, I love your story. I can't top it. I, well, I was <laughs> able to. to. I know. I was able to jump in on that journey, though. And while he was a pastor, we met. And you took me. I was kind of a broken, a broken person. I had survived very violent first marriage and mm. had two wonderful kids from that. But I was this broken person who didn't was afraid of my shadow. And when David met me, you know, he can probably tell you more, but he sees a totally different Dana now than the Dana he met. And so I think that started my life journey to just always be the best that I could be Mm. and help others do the same. So that's how that all came to be. So pretty serious transitions right out of the gate. Thank thank you for being vulnerable enough to share that with the audience. So both of you come from places of, of very different backgrounds relative to what you then got into, whether it was a relationship or, or a career. You know, you said 34 years in the ministry, David. Physically, like where did that take you? How did, did you move around a lot? Were you, were you centrally located in one space? And then, and then when that, ultimately finished, what did that look like and and how did you get into this next chapter? In terms of physical space, it meant that I I served in a small congregation in South Dakota, then a a larger congregation in Iowa, a much larger congregation in Wisconsin, and then uh, ended up in a small town again. And you know, it, it's interesting when I look at that at that journey. Well, and I skipped one uh, or a couple probably, but I ended up spending five to ten years at each congregation. Mm-hmm. And the next to the last one, I was in a congregation where I was in charge of. I was executive pastor in charge of coaching other staff members and doing a lot of planning. And really, my gift for strategic planning had, had led to that, that place that was really the peak of my career. And then uh, they decided at, at some point that they really wanted a different staff model. And I was no longer going to be part of that. Mm. And that, so I was downsized at age 58. And we moved from this city congregation with a thousand people in worship each week to a small town with about a hundred in worship and where I was the only person on staff as opposed to, I think we had 26 on the previous staff. Wow. Ministry was still rewarding, but the congregation was struggling and frustrations really mounted until the point where I, I got to the place where I felt like I'd given about all I had to give. Mm. And one night I analyzed our pension account and calculated that we still needed to work another six to eight years before we could afford to retire. Wow. And I was rather frustrated with that and went to 
talked to Dana about it, and I added rather flippantly, uh, unless we decide to do something radical like retire to Mexico now. And she turned to me and said, why not? Oh, so Dana, you were, you were the one who said, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I, I, I love that congregation. And it was fun. I had a great job. But I knew, too, the struggles that this church was facing and how David just felt like, you know, a round peg in a square hole. You know, he's a big mm -hmm. city kid and we're in a small town and he wasn't getting out into the world like I was going and working in a job. And we love Mexico and thought, wow, let's just check it out. Well, of course, we did our due diligence, made sure that was what God had in plan for us as well. And a year later, a year later, we really, we pushed the envelope, but we, we were living in Mexico a year later. Wow. So that's that moment of change. And, and David, you, you described a second ago that you had felt like you'd given everything that you had to it. You felt, I'm assuming you could describe that a pretty close to empty if we're using a car analogy. Exactly. Can you, can you just paint that picture a little bit more fully for us? Just because a lot of people feel some level of burnout, whether they're, you know, five years into a career or 10 years into a career or 35 into a career, like how that looks and how that looked for you so that if someone's going through something similar, they can perhaps identify it for themselves? Sure. The specifics for me was that over the course of my career, I had finally tuned my, uh, my skills for, for doing strategic planning and coaching other st staff members. And I, I loved doing that. And, but I ended up for those last few years in a place where those skills simply weren't called on. It was really a matter of taking care of their immediate needs and in a, a, a small church context that uh, there is no staff to coach. And uh, I was pretty much needing to do it all. And it's not that I couldn't do those things, but it wasn't building me up. And uh, so I found myself being, being more and more drained. Probably one of the highlights for me every year was what we called our annual meeting, where I would lay out a vision and goals for the coming year. I came to one of those meetings and thought about it for several weeks and, and prayed about it and finally came to the meeting and said, I got nothing. I, I have no idea where we're headed this year. Mm. And that was... That was the same year we also announced our retirement. Yes. So, <laughs> wow. So the congregation yeah. could probably sense something was up. Yeah. But, and we knew it was up too, but right. it was one of those things. I watched him just be looking for something to try to excite him, you know, yep. because the ministry just wasn't, wasn't doing it anymore. Yeah. You said something, Dana, just now that I, I think is, is really interesting and important. Something about your time was up and you're, and, and there's sort of that alludes to the fact that there's a natural beginning and an end to most things, to all things. But you said it in a way that wasn't negative. Most people think of it as like, 
you know, oh, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. It's like all the good stuff is behind me, right? There's, and I'm wondering maybe you can unpack this a little further being on, on sort of the outside of what David just described. You know, when you guys realized that it was time to go to the next thing, like how did you go about that? part of it. And in your case, it was moving to Mexico and then coaching, which we'll get into in a minute. But, you know, how, how did you go through that? Because I imagine as, you know, you'd been in this world for so long, like how do you untangle your identity and, and really learn how to live your life in a different way all of a sudden and come to terms and be okay with that? It took a lot of prayer. I worked with a coach myself and she worked with me to try to figure out, well, how, you know, where do you want to go with your life? Mm -hmm. You know, this is ending, you know, and, and people think that too, when they retire or leave a job, something that, that has consumed them for so long, how do you have start over? And yeah. so, you know, setting some new goals and, and, you know, even going back to when you were a little kid, you know, what are some of the things you always wished that you could do and start to design a new life? that's going to hit on all of those things that maybe you put off, you know, when you're a mom and you're struggling and you're doing, you know, a jillion things, you're juggling so many, so many things. Well, now yep. you've got the freedom and an opportunity. It's like a fresh slate. So mm. I worked with the coach a little bit to kind of get my mindset working in a direction so that I could use my gifts, my skills and do some of the things I'd always wanted to do. I actually went through, quite a bit more struggle, I think, than, than Dana did. I had, uh, I had allowed myself to uh, see my identity as being a pastor. You know, mm -hmm. those, those little words, I am a pastor or whatever else we may put in there, can, can really control us if we're not careful. It took me a couple months to get over the feeling that I was done and put out to pasture mm. and really to, to say no i'm i'm that's a role that i played during a season of life now i mean i have always been a child of god and i can take on other roles and now uh i'm starting a new chapter i love the distinction you made it's a it's a role you played in a in a season of your life as opposed to it is what you do and then it's over and you're out out to pasture to be so blunt about it but thank yeah. you for within a year you're you've you've re announced retirement uh from the congregation and on your way to mexico how did you pick mexico and then just sort of logistically how did you pull some of that stuff off because go, moving to any country i imagine was, was not an easy decision uh, or just an easy task, uh, especially when you've been so ingrained in, in you know, the America, for example. How did you actually go about and do that? And then you talk to us about the actual transition. Well, we, we did our due diligence. We did a lot of internet searching. David took that on and started a spreadsheet. We knew what we wanted to find in our new home. And he began to you know, search out different locations. You know, Mexico wasn't the only, you know, place on the list, but it, it rose to the top very quickly, especially mm -hmm. when we found where we are now, because all of the points were hit, boom. And we have a lot of Hispanic friends in the United States. And so Mexico seemed like a natural choice. It's mm -hmm. super close to the United States. You can get back with a very short plane ride. It's two hours and we're in Dallas. So mm -hmm. that's 
not, you know, a bad thing. And the transition though, you know, again, we had to, you know, work on our passports, work on our immigration papers, you know, we spent yep. time at the consulate and all of those things, but that's all things you can find online. And David bought a course, I think. Yes, I found an online course. Actually, it was, I think, about 50 emails that they sent out. That's how it was delivered at that time. Mm. But, but each of them said, you know, do this, do this today, do this the next day, this the next day, and gave all these small action steps. And by the time you got through them, you were all ready to take off. I've heard a couple of times in here that there's a coaching, there's a sort of an online component to your entire journey, but, but clearly your business up until that point hadn't been focused in that world. So you moved down to Mexico after checking these boxes and really trying to reverse engineer your life and seeing what is possible and where can we get it. You get to the place that you're looking, you know, to hits those markers for you. How does coaching come into that world all of a sudden? Okay. We had started two blogs while we were in the transition. One with regard to our retirement journey and one with regard to learning a new language. Mm. And uh, we kept doing that. And somewhere along the way, I, I ran into a, some other people that were doing a business online. And uh, they became, became mentors to us and we worked with them well we still call them on on occasion when we have questions and want somebody to bounce ideas off of they gave us some guidance at that time we started building our online presence and doing all the things that they said because you know we had time in our hands and this mm -hmm. was kind of what's been we've called our encore career mm. um, you know we're young and we've got a lot more to give and so how can we use our skills and our gifts and our passions to help other people? And because we know we had to do something kind of radical to, to retire, we know there's other people out there that may need something and maybe not want to take this radical step. So we just kept immersing ourselves and learning and investing in ourselves until one night Todd said to you, yeah, that was that was quite a that was quite a night. We were at a sort of a conference and we'd been in classes sort of all all day. Our friend came to our hotel room and we were going to go over our business plan for the next year. We went through the the plan and then he sort of looked at me and after we'd tweaked a few things, he said, "Okay, now you're ready to be out there coaching yourself." At that point, I certainly didn't uh, feel ready. But in retrospect, I realized that he was that he was right. As I had applied my gift for strategic planning in a in a new area of endeavor, a new business, now it was time for me to to share that gift with others. And so we began coaching a small group of online marketers ourselves. There was still one thing that made me uncomfortable, and that was we could help with almost any individual piece of the online marketing business, but it was still sort of hit and miss which piece to work on when. And like we were putting pieces into a puzzle, but we mm -hmm. didn't know the overall picture we were trying to, to make. Right. 
And then one day it all came into focus for us, uh, both for our own business and for coaching others. It got to the place where we could walk through a list of questions and say, with a fair amount of confidence, here's what you need to focus on now to move your business forward the next step. And that was the, that was the birth of what we call your pathway to profit. And at that point, our excitement and enthusiasm for coaching sort of went through the roof. And I firmly believe that those that are, are passionate about it, motivated to do so, can develop an online marketing business without being overwhelmed by the tasks that need to, to be done. And we can show them how to take things a step at a time and move in that, that journey toward their ultimate goal. At a very high level, when someone first approaches you to, to decide they want to work in an online marketing capacity, how does that engagement look? And, and I know you guys have a couple of different offerings, but like generally speaking, how do you start? And like, what are some of the first things that you always go to when it comes to starting that type of business? There's a lot of people that have jumped in and done a, a bunch of things and maybe not in the right order and maybe they don't have the clarity that they really need for their business. So I always start with uh, examining their foundation for success. And there are a few key questions we always look at. Where are they headed? Do they know what their ultimate goal is? What's their problem? And by that, what I, what I mean is what, what key problem is it that they can provide a solution for? Mm. Uh, th then if we know what problem they solve, then we can identify, okay, who, are, who is your ideal customer? Who are the people you know, that, that have that, that issue, that challenge, that problem that you can provide a solution for? How will you make money doing it? You know, to put it in a nutshell, sort of the, the initial questions we want to deal with. And honestly, Dana and I did webinars on each of those four questions mm -hmm. for our, some of our clients. The next stage is to design and build their pipeline for profit. And basically what that means is how are they going to draw people into their pipeline? How are they going to attract the right people who need what they have to offer? How are they going to build a relationship with those people, offering them something of value that builds that relationship of no like and trust mm -hmm. to the point that they are ready to purchase some product or service that you have to offer? Mm -hmm. And after you've nurtured them for a time, how are you going to get them to take the next step to purchase one of your, your offerings? Once we so, have all, all those pieces in place so we know how the system is going to work, mm -hmm. then we can start introducing people to the system. The third stage being to build their flow of traffic and leads and sales. It's interesting that you started with beginning with the end in mind, because I, I, as I'm sitting here sort of reflecting on your story and many of the other stories I've had on the show, 
it's the people who have become intentional around knowing themselves, but also knowing ideally where they're trying to go or what problem they're trying to solve are the ones that have generally become successful in whatever endeavor they're, they're going after. And, and clearly, as you said in your own story, relative to your move to Mexico, you thought like, what, like, what are the boxes that are important for us to check and where can we check them? And that's obviously where you ended up in, in your you know, physical location. So I, I love that you're both teaching people that and you're, you know, practicing what you preach, so to see, so to say, in your own lives as well. Relative to that, like if, and I found this to be personally overwhelming a lot in my own life, how if someone has this idea that they're, they're stuck, they're feeling frustrated about their current thing, maybe they're just on empty in their own life, but they just don't know how to get started with reverse engineering the, the, the next phase. Like, how do you advise someone to start that process so that it's bite-sized and, and doable so they'll actually do it? I think the biggest thing is to find a mentor or coach that can lead you through the process. And I really underscore the word process. It's, it's not that they're going to know exactly what steps you need to do for, for your journey, but they can help you to sort things through. Mm. and uh, ask good questions and so that you come to the place where uh, you can move forward with confidence. Absolutely well said. As far as identifying a coach, and you guys are in the online marketing world, there's a lot of people in that space right now. And I think we can all agree that not all of them are good, frankly. <laughs> um, yes. And, and relative to the good questions, like what, what advice would you give someone to say, okay, great. Like, I love the idea of getting a mentor. I was an athlete. I was in drama. I was in this and that. And we had, we had coaches and mentors and directors and all that stuff. So that makes sense. But like, how do I know who's real and who's full of it? Like, how can they sort of dissect that, that part of the conversation? That's a, an excellent question. And, um, you know, it used to be that people would, you'd go out and look for certifications or degrees or outward kind of things like that. And not to say that those things aren't helpful and good in their own place, but one of the things that I think you should look for first would be to ask someone that's a potential coach, well, have you been coached? Mm. Because I think some of the best training to be a coach is to be on the other end of the, the receiving end. On the receiving end for some time. But honestly, which is so funny because it's such a simple and amazing piece of advice, um, but I've never heard anyone bring that up. I know in my career, I often sought out other pastors that I thought would be helpful mentors later on. Uh, in a more formal way, found those that had been trained as coaches and uh, had my own coach for a, quite a, a bit of my career. I learned how helpful that was. And then, of course, my career shifted in a way that I was doing, that more of my time was spent coaching other staff members. So for me, that was a sort of a natural kind of step-by-step -step process. But if, if they're looking for a coach, I would look for first somebody who has been coached. After that, one of the most important things, and this 
is something that I discovered years back, just in terms of doing counseling with people in the congregation. One of the biggest uh, factors was simply, do you feel comfortable with that person? Mm -hmm. do, you, uh, do you get along well and feel like you can relate to them and you're getting something helpful from them? There are excellent coaches or excellent counselors that aren't a good fit for some people. So you need to find the person that fits for you. Absolutely. I'm also struck by this because, I mean, everything you said is a fantastic piece of advice and I, and I fully agree with it. One other component of this is once you find your coach and you work through whatever the program is or whatever the period of your life is that you're, you're working with them for. And I'll direct this to you, Dana, because you brought up your, your coaching engagement earlier on in your story. You know, when, at what point do you know that it may be time to move on uh, from the relationship or, or, or to start a new chapter, so to speak? I would think it's goal driven. You know, if you've started working with a coach to, to work on mindset, and you get to mm -hmm. a place where your mindset's doing pretty good, then, mm -hmm. you know, you, I hope that the coach would have the sense to, you know, cut ties at that point and say, hey, you have reached your goals. You know, do we want to set some new goals and we'll continue to work together? Or is it time for you, you know, to spread your wings and go kind of thing? Um, I also know people that have worked with the same coach for years and years and years, and it, and it becomes a friendship almost and mm -hmm. a sounding board kind of thing where mm -hmm. they aren't really even really being coached anymore. It's just like having a professional friend. You're paying your professional friend to give you this advice. So I think there isn't a black and white answer to that. Mm -hmm. But if you do have a set goal while you're working with a coach and you reach it, then you should probably, the coach should know better. Renegotiate. And renegotiate. Yeah, set a new goal. And those were the things when I worked with the coach, you know, I had some three things that she was helping me with and she kept me accountable to all three and I, I nailed them. And then mm -hmm. when that was done, she said, okay, well, you've nailed those and do you want to work on anything else? And I'm like, no, I'm good right now. So we parted ways. That's mm -hmm. uh, thank you for that because I, 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 I see it as <clears throat> twofold. One is, you know, the coach still has thousands of people potentially to go out and help, but, but hopefully through the coaching program, uh, you will have graduated at some point and you've gotten to a level of expertise um, that sort of elevates you beyond whatever that person can provide. And that doesn't make them a bad person. That actually makes them a very good coach that they got you to that level and now you're ready to, to spread your wings and go. I love all of the advice and all the practical thoughts that you both have given as well as um, sharing some of your story. And we are getting to the end so of the, our, our time and I want to respect it. So I will um, go ahead and transition us over to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? We're ready. It sounds like we're in final jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So first question is what book and I guess this will go to both of you. What book have you each gifted most often? Well, in the last six months, I have gifted my own book, I have to say, um, to all of my family and to some friends. I wrote, that was one of my bucket list items from when I was a child, is to be a published author. And that all came true in November. So for Christmas, everybody got my book. Oh, yeah. And, 
Um, it's a devotional guide. It's Devotions on the Go, and I've written it, and I'll start. That's the first, actually, in a series devoted to people that are busy but still mm -hmm. want to connect with God. And I know from being busy for 30-some years, sometimes you need a little help. And so that's, that's the, the basis of that book. And since I edited it, I am al also found myself referring that book to more people than any other in the last six months or so. Fantastic. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Actually, I just reached out to him for the first time uh, a day or two ago. And for me, that person is Russell Brunson. He is a master in the online marketing space. And I've got a number of questions that I would love to pick his brain on. Well, good luck on that connection. I hope you, I hope you get, get in front of him. Right. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Yep. Me too. Mm -hmm. And my favorite would be Chris Tomlin. He is a worship leader and I love his music and being a worship leader myself, he's always given me inspiration and there probably isn't a Sunday that goes by that I don't use one of his songs in a worship set, but I oh, would love wonderful. to just pick his brain and just hear about his journey and the struggles, how he keeps personal life separate from work. And yeah. Well said. What is one thing that you think most people would disagree with you on? I'll take that one. And I answer this not as someone so much as a pastor, as simply a follower of Christ, mm -hmm. that for me, I accept the Bible as the ultimate authority for what I believe and how I live. And I don't expect everyone else around me to agree with that or to follow that. But for me, that is the uh, guide for my life. Excellent. How do you start your days? Talk to us about your morning routine. We're not morning people. So our, <laughs> our morning routine starts about 1030 every day. Okay. But that's only because we're night people and we will stay up till two or three in the morning. But 1030, the alarm goes off. We hit the ground with some sort of exercise. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, then we have a breakfast together. We always have a, a nice breakfast on our terrace. And the, the fruits and vegetables that you can get here in Mexico are incredible. So our diet looks totally different than it ever used to. Yeah, they don't necessarily look as good as they do in the stores in the United States, but they, the taste is a hundred times better. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. And then after that, we have our, our quiet time. Our, you know, I write my devotional blog and, you know, we have our prayer time. We do our personal development. That whole chunk is more than just a morning. But it starts from probably about four hours, a four-hour window. And then we'll start, you know, doing what we're going to do for the day, whether it's running errands, playing, working, whatever it is. Yeah, I probably get to work between three and five in the afternoon. And sometimes seven <laughs> or eight at night, depending. Yeah, absolutely. When well, thank you. You can oh, do that. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing about being able to design your lifestyle. Thank you both so much for being on the show. Where can the audience connect with you online? We are all over the place on social media. Um, and I'm the one that manages that. So Dana Hagstrom, you can find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn. We also have our blog, which is David N. 
dana.com. That's David, the letter N, dana.com. And if they are interested in pursuing the, the matter of online marketing, they can go to our blog, davidndana.com slash solution to get one of our PDF guides or slash COMP session, comp session, if they'd like to, um, well, it's usually, a, I would say, a, a $300 value for a count, uh, the first uh, coaching session. But mm -hmm. for those on your podcast, they can go to that, that URL and get a free session with me to see if they want to take things farther. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that offer. And I'm sure that some of the audience will take you up on that. Guys, all of that information is down in the show notes. Uh, David and Dana, davidndana.com is where it bases off of. And of course, all the social handles will be down there too. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being on the show and in taking some of your time uh, out of your day to be here, um, deliver some value to the audience and uh, just share your story. So thank you. And um, before we sign off, do you have any parting thoughts for us? What comes to my mind is that I hope that they live their day with gratitude. And we are very grateful for this time together. It's been a delightful experience, but every day brings so many things to be thankful for. And if you live your life with that perspective of, of gratitude, uh, I think you're going to have a great life wherever it may take you. Well said. And that does it. If you guys want to connect with David and Dana, head down to the show notes. I've got their website as well as all their social handles down there. So they're easy to find. And if you're down there and you want to connect with me as well, I've got my Calendly link as always. And if you are getting value out of this, I would just kindly ask that you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. Really means a lot to me, helps me grow as well as get a ton of feedback because I do read all those reviews. Gives me some nice uh, feedback to, to implement in the show and um, just generally lets me know what you're enjoying and what I can do better on. So thanks in advance for that. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and sign it off. So this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play and remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at ChiefSNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.